Hi everyone, good morning. This is fun. This morning um, I just wanted to share with you some stuff that I feel God has been speaking to me about in terms of honour in communication. We've been looking at honour over the last few weeks and um, specifically I felt like God wanted to speak to me, um, or speak through me uh, in fact, about um, encouragement and admonishment. So that's where we're headed this morning. Um, and hopefully the reason why we're unpacking those subjects will become clear as I go on. Um, I think I've shared with you before about um, the time God spoke to me. And in fact, it's been a continual thing about unity being the key to power. Unity being um, the key to us hosting the presence of God and the power of God in a sustained way. Um, I'm sure I've shared it, but for those that haven't heard it, um, he just showed me this picture of a grass or a Hessian rug. Um, and I saw a rug that all the reeds were really tightly woven together. Um, and because of that, you could roll up the rug, you could move it around and do what you wanted with it. And it was, um, um, it wouldn't break, you know, it could withstand it. But um, then I saw another rug and the same rug, but with holes in it and broken reeds. And uh, again, if you tried to roll that up and move it around, actually what happened was it just got more damaged and um, it wasn't very malleable and actually didn't look very nice either. Um, and God just said, church can be like the rug with the holes in. But what I want to do with my church in this nation is I um, is going to require a church with no holes. And those holes were breakdown in relationship. And I very clearly felt him say that unity and unified hearts and love towards one another was going to be the key for him being able to pour out in his spirit in the way that he really wants to. So, you know, here we want to see more miracles, more miraculous healings, have greater supernatural encounters. And I believe that God wants that for us too. Um, and part of our journey into seeing those things is to learn what it is to be a unified body. In Colossians 3.14 it says, um, wear love wherever you go. So we have to treat each other through the lens of who Christ says we are and as Christ sees us. Um, in Culture of Honour, Danny Silk says, our value is defined by the price Jesus paid to redeem and restore us as sons and daughters of God, not by our behaviour. This means... That we're to be focused not on each other's behaviour and character, but actually to be focused on our identity and who God says they are. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we were once regarded Christ, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In practicing this love and honour, we need to be careful in how we communicate, be intentional in pursuit of connection with one another, be deliberate with encouragement and take time to work through our frustrations with one another in order to keep our hearts open. In a season like the last one we just had at Oasis where people are feeling tired and busy, what can happen is that we just become less mindful of how we're loving others because, frankly, we don't have the capacity to think about others as much as we perhaps um, would normally be able to 
or perhaps we're not able to clearly think through the ramifications of some of the things we say and do. And I think that um, as capacity gets reduced in people, what I've, what I've observed <clears throat> excuse me, is that one of the first things that to go is good communication. Whether it be encouragement or admonishment, I just find that communication gets clumsy and conflict can occur, disunity creeps in. And of course, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do here, isn't it? He doesn't want us to move in power. He doesn't want us to receive um, the things that God has for us. He wants us to be powerless. Um, so he will go after our relationships with one another. If we want to fulfil the destiny that God has for us corporately, then we all have personal responsibility to promote unity and to do relationship well and to love each other well. And that includes communicating in love the best we can all the time. So this isn't just about leaders. This is about all of us. This is us one anothering each other really well. You know, God has spoken to me really clearly about this group of people at Oasis here at this time. He's described you as being the nucleus of a family. In this group of people, we're the mums and the dads. We're, um, we're here as the pioneering parents of the new wineskin that God wants to build in this place. We're the ones who are going to build this church to destiny. And of course, we will be added to we're leaders here. This is an extraordinary bunch of people. The level of gifting in this church family is high. The level of maturity is high. And I think that's because we're pioneering and building something new. God has not by any accident put us together for this season and for our future season. So I think because we're in a season of building something new, that's why sometimes it has felt difficult there's nothing comfortable about pruning seasons there's nothing um, comfortable about having things torn down um, and having things built being built up in a different way but you see what's coming for us is growth and fruit so this morning because of because of what I see for where we're going because of what I see in all of you and because of what I believe God wants to do in this house I want to bring some really practical teaching into the area of honour and communication, as I said. So I'm going to be looking at encouragement and having hard conversations. So you might call that admonishment or confrontation, whatever that is. I really like what Danny Silk says when he says, honour is the practice of calling out the best in one another through words of encouragement, words of praise and words of correction. OK, so let's start with having the hard conversation. Dave and I were chatting recently about um, how difficult it is to have hard conversations with people that you love. Um, and he was saying that generally he doesn't feel particularly equipped to have hard conversations with people. He feels um, nervous that he'll say the wrong thing or he won't articulate what he means sensitively. He feels nervous that whatever he does say will offend the other person and then there will feel like irreparable damage in the relationship. Um, or he's worried that he himself might become defensive or angry or become emotionally involved in a way that just blows up the conflict to be even bigger. And so for him, he doesn't say some things or have the hard conversations that perhaps he feels he ought to be having for those reasons. And for me, when he said that, it just felt like one of those penny dropping moments. I was like... 
I bet loads of people feel like that. I know I feel like that at times. Hang on. We just need to know how to do this stuff. And we need to know that we have permission to do it. I think it's a simple reality, isn't it? That when you're doing life with a group of people, um, it means there are going to be times when we feel frustrated by what they say or do. And we're going to frustrate others. It's just normal. I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Um, I, I think we have to break out of the mindset that just because we're Christians, um, that we go around being peaceable in the name of Jesus um, and therefore deny and ignore the things that frustrate us, particularly when it um, pertains to the people around us. I think allowing ourselves to have permission to have these feelings and then to take time to consider what to do with them is actually a sign of maturity. And I think ignoring something that has no sign or improving is is not going to help things get better. So to be clear, then, I'm not talking about the odd little thing that annoys us. I think we do need to learn to overlook things. And I think sometimes it is a sign of emotional immaturity when we're very quick to be offended. Um, but there are times when it's it's okay to not overlook something. I think when something is continued, when it's causing pain to other people or yourself, um, then I, or, you know boundaries are being crossed. I think that kind of stuff is okay to have light shone on it and to have the conversation. You know, often people aren't aware of their weaknesses, um, and even if they are, sometimes they're not aware of how their weaknesses affect other people and I think if someone's behavior is damaging or hurtful then we need to take a risk for the sake of love for that person actually and for the sake of unity and have the hard conversation you know I think when we're aware that we have an enemy who wants to go after our relationships and wants to go after unity we have a responsibility to fight for unity for one another to fight for love um, for love of one another and um, I think it's really important that we prioritise relationships over any sense of disagreement we really mustn't let our hurts intimidate us into moving away from one another I'm going to say that again we mustn't let our hurts intimidate us into moving away from one another so having the whole conversation, it's not about punishment. It's not about making someone feel bad because they made you feel bad. It's not about getting someone to see how badly they've treated you or getting them to change because we can't control other people. But it is about reaching into somebody and saying, I prioritise my love and connection with you more than I do this situation. So I want to do all I can to call you out and protect our relationship. Danny Silk puts it like that. I'm, I'm quoting Danny Silk a lot, aren't I? Um, I do read my Bible. Um, there is also the Bible of Danny Silk. And that is where some of my quotes have come from. Um, while I'm on to him, two of his books that I'm quoting from the most this morning. Keep Your Love On and Culture of Honour. If you haven't read them, I totally, totally recommend them. They're really great reads. Anyway, so he says... True love is the practice of two powerful people putting one another before themselves, empowering one another, working together to meet one another's needs 
and adjusting as needed in order to move together toward the shared goals of the relationship. Love does not just happen. It is indeed intentional. That's beautiful. In Culture of Honour it says, the goals of confrontation are, one, to introduce boundaries into a situation and consequences in order to strengthen and teach. Two, to bring to the surface what people forget about themselves after they have failed. Three, to send an invitation to strengthen the relational bond with someone. And four, to allow the possibility of weaknesses to be exposed in order that they may be strengthened. They're good, aren't they? (laughs) Now, obviously, if we're going to have the hard conversation, that confrontation that Danny Silk's talking about, we need to be a little bit prepared, don't we? I think just wading up to someone in the heat of an unprocessed moment is probably going to cause quite a lot of damage. So in our preparation, it feels like there are two main things to consider. One is perspective. We need to get perspective on ourselves, the situation and the other person. And two is communication. What do we say and how are we going to say it? So looking at perspective then. First of all, perspective on yourself and on the situation. It's really important that we take time to think about why we're feeling what we're feeling. Why am I having this reaction? Where is this all coming from? Um, It's important to take time to identify what the reaction is and then to be looking just beyond the surface. To say I was feeling angry about something, but actually if I look deeper into what's making me feel angry, I might find underneath that I feel very fearful. So when you're calm... Ask yourself, what am I feeling and why? Is this all about the other person or is some of this coming from me? And be humble. Ask yourself, is the situation something that I've contributed to? How did we even get to this point? Am I reaping something that I've sowed? What should I be taking responsibility for? I think it's a real sign of emotional maturity when you can take responsibility for your part of the situation. Also, think about projection. Am I seeing a weakness in someone, like control, for example, that's actually my own weakness? Projection is accusing someone else of something that actually we're doing. Um, Perhaps you're both being controlling. But I think it's important that we're able to identify our own stuff and just be really mindful of when we're doing that. There is a great verse in the Bible, isn't there, about specks and planks. And uh, I think we should be mindful of that when we're reviewing a situation like this with somebody. Without proper perspective on ourselves and on the situation, we risk making assumptions. And then we become overloaded with judgment and expectation of another person. And while we're on that, I just want to say this is a bit of an aside, really. But Jesus taught that the judgment we have issued on someone else's sin will be measured against ours. Holding people in judgment for not meeting our expectations or because of their because of their behaviour allows the enemy to put his focus on us. So if someone um, has 
offended us in some way or they've done something and we are judging them for what they have done, it is an attraction to the enemy, that judgment that sits in us. Quite often that judgment can be a root of, of bitterness anyway. But it is, it's something like bitterness or unforgiveness where the enemy kind of sees it and he hones in on it in the same way that a wasp would hone in on a jar of jam that's been left open. You know, we don't want to leave ourselves open to that kind of stuff. I think um, we have to be mindful that when we leave ourselves open to the enemy, we make room for him to come in and exploit stuff and make stuff worse. And we don't ever want to do that, do we? We're completely unpunishable. All our punishment was taken by Jesus on the cross. And we've been completely set free from our sin. We're not judged by God. So it's really interesting then, isn't it, as humans, that we have this barometer for other people's behaviour and we sit in judgment of what people say and do. It's like we know what's behind their behaviour, but actually we're just making assumptions. And it just feels, just feels a bit controlling or a bit proud, like we would know. We're not telepaths. I don't care how prophetic you think you are. <laughs> Or how prophetic in fact you are. We're not telepaths. We don't truly know what's going on inside of someone unless they tell us. And likewise, unless we express what's going on inside of us, other people don't know. So here's a challenge. Do you have expectations of other people that you feel they're not meeting? And have you ever communicated those expectations? Because if you haven't, it's not fair to expect people to meet those expectations. I've got an example here. I think we've got time. Say you're on a team with someone and you serve, you're both leading this team. It's been a 50-50 thing. You're both equally involved in terms of effort and ability. But this other person has come to you perhaps the second or third time with an idea and they've said, oh, I've spoken to the elders about it and, um, and they're up for it and um, let's, let's implement this thing, let's do this thing. Now you're left with a choice at this point. You can either get on board and celebrate what they're doing and keep quiet about how it's making you feel that this person has, has approached you in this way or you can have the hard conversation. Maybe you're feeling like this person isn't a very good team player because why are they not coming to you with their ideas? Maybe you're feeling like this person's a bit of a glory seeker and in it just to impress the elders and looking for promotion and opportunity. Maybe you feel like they're being controlling and not allowing you to have any say in the way things are done. But from the flip side, maybe this person never feels confident and actually it's only when they've been meeting with an elder about something else that a particular elder has drawn out some ideas and encouraged them to bring them to you that maybe this other person feels intimidated by you and that's why they blurt things out in the way that they do rather than putting it as a what do you think they present it as an absolute maybe there is a different thing going on in that person to what you assume is going on so can you see that our assumptions and our judgments can get in the way of how we view our relationships with other people? It comes down to this in a nutshell. 
If you have expectations, it's up to you to communicate them. If you are feeling like someone has an expectation that you cannot meet, it's also up to you to communicate that you can't meet it. We can't get annoyed with others for not meeting our expectations or by feeling controlled by people's expectations of us. We must take responsibility for our choices and our actions. Okay, okay. So moving on then from that little rabbit trail. Um, We've just looked at getting perspective on ourselves and on the situation. So the next one then is get perspective on the other person. We must have a heart full of love for the other person. We have got to see them as God sees them. This is really at the heart of honour. We must love others by working to see their strengths and value, especially if it doesn't come naturally. The only way really to do this is to spend time with God. We need to be in his presence and receive his love for us afresh. Because a natural consequence of receiving his love in that intimate place is that his love bubbles up in us. We connect with how loved we are by him and then love to others naturally flows. If you're feeling intolerant of others, I might ask you, how much time are you spending receiving the love of God for yourself? Are you spending time soaking in it, reveling in it and believing it for yourself? If you ever struggle to see someone as God sees them, the best thing to do is to be asking God for his perspective. God, show me what you think of this person. Show me who you've made them to be. Show me their destiny. Show me all the gold that you've put inside them. And another thing to do is to pray blessings for that person. This never fails for me. If I have a struggle with a particular person, I find that if I start praying good stuff over them, actually my heart really shifts. And that leads me then to be able to forgive um, and, and, and to move on and feel soft towards the other person. Forgiveness is a really great way of getting perspective about another person, being able to forgive them for the, for the ways they've hurt us. It's really important to remember that all of our sins are forgiven and absolutely nothing can change that. So exactly the same has been extended to those around us. That same forgiveness has been extended by God through the cross to one another. So we need to repent of our attitude of unforgiveness and we need to choose to forgive the other people. And you know, I know you've heard this before, but forgiveness isn't about excusing a person's behaviour and it's not a way of saying the way they behave is okay or what they've said is okay. Boundaries are important, that, that, you know, that's true. But it is a way of releasing them back to God, finding a place of peace about the person as an individual so that you're free and they're free from any of the judgments and the feelings that are involved in the situation. Okay, so we've got perspective. We've got perspective of ourselves. We've got perspective of the situation. We have got perspective of the other person. So now we need to communicate. You know, sometimes it's not enough just to reflect on the situation and forgive the other person, although there are definitely times when, we, then, when that is enough. But sometimes that is only half the job. 
if we can't move past an issue or there is a degree of repetition about a behaviour, then we need to take, take the time to have a conversation with the other person to resolve it. And this is the scary part, isn't it? I really get that. It's really easy for me to stand here and, and teach you on this stuff. But let me share with you the times when people have spoken into my life and have had these conversations with me and the times when I have had these conversations with other people, whilst painful in the moment, have only ever strengthened understanding and relationship. I don't know if you've noticed, but I am quite a strong and feisty person. And so sometimes I live with the insecurity of how other people perceive me. Um, I worry that in by being strong, that actually I hurt people or I wound people. Um, now I have to choose to live not according to disempowering insecurity. I have to choose to live according to who I believe God says I am. But sometimes it can feel like there's a bit of a disparity between who I think I might be and who it appears God is saying I am. Um, and because of that disparity, sometimes I get it wrong. So I feel like I'm wavering from one place to another place. And so sometimes I'm actually being controlling when I think I'm just being authoritative. Um, and sometimes I think I'm being sensitive, but actually I'm just being over emotional. Um, and sometimes I might think I'm leading, but actually I'm domineering. Um, and so I have to trust the people around me will be brave enough to have the hard conversation with me to help me grow and mature. So I really appreciate it. In fact, I think I would even go as far as to say that to confront someone in the right way is a really powerful act of love. You know, when people have done that for me, it sometimes has just been totally my issue. And it's just been really great to be made aware of it and to be able to apologise and to learn from it. And sometimes it's not all me. And so by this person opening it up, we're able to actually have a really helpful two-way conversation about what's going on for both of us and work through it together. It requires love, it requires humility, and it requires a ton of courage. And it also requires really good communication. And on that note, I think I probably want to say what I mean by really good communication. Obviously, I mean clear communication, and I'm going to talk a bit more about that. But I also think um, the, the method of communication is really important. I think face-to-face -face communication um, for stuff like this is probably the best way of handling this stuff, even if it feels like the scariest way. I think um, one of the perils of the wonders of technology in the 21st century is that text and email just makes communication very, very easy. Um, and I think sometimes we can fall into that trap of thinking that if we write something down, we're able to be more considered in what we're saying, be more careful with our language, take emotion out of it. Um, and that's true. Email and text messaging are great for that kind of thing. Um, but I think actually when we're looking at relational situations like this, where we're having to bring some hard information into someone's life that, that has the potential to cause some short-term pain, we want to handle that really well by being with that person in the moment. 
And we can't do that if we send an email. If we send an email, we really don't know what we're sending it into the other end. We don't know what sort of day that person would already be having. Um, and we have no control over what they read into what we say um, because you can't hear any tone. You know, don't forget that when we communicate, we don't just communicate with our voices, do we? We use gestures and body language or what people would call non-verbal communication. And that helps people to understand the meaning behind what we're saying. And all of that is lost when we just write stuff down. So I think by sending stuff like this written down, we actually cause potential to cause more harm. Um, and that's not what we want, is it? So this is where it gets hard, because this is where we have to take a big risk. We have to do something that's going to cost us. We have to get face to face with somebody and have a hard conversation. We have to bring the whole situation into the light and um, and and frankly it's an act of warfare so it's going to feel hard but it's good. You know it's worth considering as well that we don't just have a responsibility to resolve these things for us and for the other person. But that actually unresolved conflict or tension in relationships is really what's at the root of disunity. And it only takes one or two of those for the body to start to be affected. You know, it creates a horrible spiritual atmosphere. People become aware of what's going on, other conversations are having, uh, being had. And um, it does start to affect everybody. So it's really important that we take responsibility for our relationships for the sake of the whole family as well and in that sense actually the whole of the body of Christ so remember the goal of meeting like this is um, is not just to make your point um, but it's actually for both of us both both people involved to reach an understanding of one another okay so we're not meeting up to make our point this is what you've done this is how you've upset me. This is what your behaviour is like. We're actually meeting and our goal of meeting is to reach one, an understanding of one another. So your mindset right from the beginning has got to be, I want to understand where this person is coming from and I want to help them understand me better. And in order to have that mindset, you must have a soft heart and be prepared like we talked about. And you must be, um, be prepared to be vulnerable. If you take your anger and your accusations to somebody, they're immediately going to become defensive and they're not going to hear what it is that you're trying to say. It creates an atmosphere for them, really, where it's almost impossible for them to be vulnerable. So if you go in soft-hearted, if you go in vulnerable, then you actually create and foster an atmosphere of intimacy, an atmosphere that allows them to be vulnerable too. Danny Silk says, intimacy is into me, you see. It invites the other person to see into your heart, which in turn invites them to be soft-hearted towards you. So you get to see their heart. Okay, so we've reflected, we've got perspective, we've hung out with God. Here's some really practical tips on having the conversation. One, be clear. We need to be really clear about the issues that are a problem. 
it might be helpful to um, even think about writing down a little list to prompt you. But can I just say, that's not a list that's a bunch of weapons to throw at the other person. And this, and you've done that, and you've done that. Um, this is actually a list just to prompt you, to help you to be clear and to stay on point with what you want to say. Try not to be vague. I think um, where possible, give examples of what you're talking about. Um, particularly if the other person can't see what it is that you're talking about. Examples can be really, really helpful. Um, number two, be aware of your tone of voice. We really need to be aware not just of what we say, but also how we say it. I think anyone in the room knows the difference between sorry and sorry, especially being a parent, I know the difference between those two. If there's any strength of emotion behind what we say, then we're probably not going to communicate as carefully as we would like to. So try and keep your tone soft, um, try and be neutral, try and to remove things like emotion, accusation um, and defensiveness from your tone of voice. I think obviously the reality is that when we're having these conversations with people, we are going to start to connect with some of our emotion around the situation. So just be mindful of that all the time. Be mindful of your priority for meeting which is to understand the other person and to reconcile and try to manage your emotion as best you can obviously we need to express ourselves i'm not saying if you feel like you want to cry don't cry um but just be mindful of perhaps why you're crying um you don't want to be manipulative with your emotion um you want to make sure that other person knows that you are there to love them, even though this is a hard thing to do. And what you don't want to do is intimidate or close down the conversation by not being mindful um, of, of your tone and what you're bringing. Number three, then, be mindful in how you phrase things. Gosh, I'm sure there isn't a person in the room that hasn't heard the advice that when you're in conflict with somebody, it's best to talk about how things make you feel rather than being accusing or positional. Uh, so an example of that would be, um, I felt hurt when you said, rather than saying, you hurt me. Um, it just removes the accusation and you're talking about your, your from your perspective um, and your perspective could be wrong or inaccurate. Um, and also we can own our stuff, but we can't own the other person's stuff and we can't control the other person. So it's really important that we just try, we just talk about ourselves. So useful phrases would include, I feel, my understanding of the situation is, um, from my perspective, or what I thought I heard was, you know, those kind of things. Um, and also try to use open questions as much as possible too. So you could say, could you help me understand what you meant when you said rather than accuse someone of saying, you said X, Y, Z. Um, I think when we speak in these kind of terms, it really helps us to, to not be positional, but to stay kind of connected to the other person. It stops us from, from being in the mode of I'm right, you're wrong, which again will just evoke defensiveness in the other person. Um, the other thing that it does is it actually just removes power from the other person when we come in, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, remember, these are two powerful people having a conversation. Um, so we need to make it possible for them to be able to bring explanation or even apology where possible. 
We're all sons and daughters of God, and we need to remember that about one another. And finally, remember, it's not your job to get an apology out of the other person. There's a possibility that they may not see things the way that you do. Um, all you can do is express yourself as carefully and as thoroughly and as honestly and as neutrally as possible. If the conversation doesn't bring reconciliation, then the Bible states to try again and bring another person along. So if it all goes wrong, you do have that option. But remember, you're being brave for the sake of love, for the sake of unity, for the sake of destiny. Um, this is about being brave and being courageous. And, and this is who you are, people. You are brave and courageous people. And you do love in this house ever so well. So I just encourage you to keep short accounts with each other and really nail this stuff so that the enemy can't get in and, and break things up. Okay, so moving on to a much easier subject then. The other thing that I felt like I wanted to touch this morning was encouragement. Um, Proverbs 12.25 in the Passion Translation says, A life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. I think we're pretty good on encouragement here, actually, in this family. I think we're quite good at complimenting one another and giving feedback on um, things that we've enjoyed about um, perhaps in areas that people have served and um, I think we're good at expressing love for one another I hear people saying I love you I hear people saying you're amazing you're inspiring um, you know and those are lovely things to receive they're lovely things to say to one another um, they're all wonderful I see encouragement a bit like bricks that we lay when you're building a house um, I think that those bricks are more than just a compliment or a superlative or an expressed emotion. I think um, whilst there's nothing wrong with those things, um, encouragement is actually about lending your strength to somebody. Encouragement is there to empower others. So if you imagine your encouraging words are like bricks and you're actually building somebody up. So... We want to be quite specific with what we're building. So using superlatives like you're amazing are great, but they can also at times be a little bit meaningless. Empowering means allowing people to be powerful as God made them, even if we disagree with them or when they fail. So when we encourage people, we are empowering them to be as powerful as God made them even if we disagree with them or when they fail. Bill Johnson says, to live in courage requires encouragement, which is why encouragement is such an essential ingredient to our unity here, encouragement of one another. As we grow in unity, God is going to want us to take risks for one another and for the body and for the world. And if we're going to take those risks... We need to be full of encouragement. We need to be motivated primarily by God's encouragement and his love. But also having the empowering encouragement of the people who are standing with us will make it possible to do those things and take those risks. Encouragement puts strength into one another. Encouragement is also, <coughs> excuse me, a very powerful way of communicating Genuine encouragement, as I said, it builds up, 
it creates opportunities, and mostly it extends love. When it comes to encouragement, it feels like there are three main things to consider. Being encouraged ourselves, the need to encourage others more frequently, and how to give really great encouragement. So we're going to look at those. Number one, be encouraged yourself. I think when we get tired and we get a bit grumpy, we feel that we need more encouragement. And I think when we feel like we're not getting encouragement, it's really easy to stop encouraging others. Our ability to give out encouragement and to love other people in that way must never ever be dependent on the encouragement that we're getting from other people. We have a champion in heaven who is 24-7 voicing his praise and encouragement to us. He is consistently cheering us on and giving us the strength we need to keep going to pursue the things that he has put in front of us. So God must always be our primary source of encouragement. Whether you're hearing his voice or not does not mean he is not speaking to you. If you're not hearing his encouragement, I would encourage you to talk to him about that and ask him why not. Spend time in his presence. Go back to the quiet place with him. Close out the noise of the world and be intimate with your daddy because he is speaking to you and he is strengthening you. Part of this might be about understanding how God communicates with you and that in itself is a whole other preach. But it may not be that God speaks to you in the way that he speaks to some of your friends. Some people might hear an audible voice, some people see pictures, some people are drawn to everyday objects and events. Whatever it is, God has a way that he communicates with you and I really encourage you to pursue that and find out what that is so you can hear his constant affirmation and encouragement of you. Number two then, the need to encourage others more. Do you know what? It can be really easy to assume that other people are doing the encouraging and so we just don't do it. There is no such thing as too much encouragement. So let's be really intentional and just do it. Especially think about um, the people around you who give out quite a lot. They probably need some more encouragement. Uh, think about your leaders. Uh, think about people that you don't know that well. Um, people that you know can't make it to church very often or visitors. Um, make time to do it. Encourage people. Um, do it all the time. Practice and you know challenge yourself to do it a few times a day even. I think if you're finding it hard to encourage others, it might be worth um, thinking about why that is. Um, certainly if there is jealousy or comparison or competitive towards others, then um, that is going to get in the way of encouraging those people. And I would venture to suggest that if there is any form of jealousy, comparison or competitiveness, then you're actually thinking through the heart of an orphan and not a beloved son. You have complete access to God all the time, which means you have access to his goodness. He removed everything that gets in the way of that. You're a son or a daughter. He has a purpose for you and he has assignments for you to do. We get given different gifts and different opportunities in all sorts of creative ways. Our journeys are that we walk together, but they are not the same. Comparison absolutely kills honour. 
and jealousy kills unity. The heart of honour, as I said before, is to see others as God made them. And that means celebrating all that they are, including all of their successes, especially in the areas where we're waiting for those successes or breakthrough ourselves. Like I said when I spoke about um, having perspective, if you can't encourage others in genuine love, then you need to go back to God, you need to repent and you need to ask for his perspective of you. When you see how loved and adored you are, when you see your reflection in his face, that's when comparison starts to drop away. Okay, so number three, how to give encouragement. As I said, I think we need to try and steer away a little bit, if we can, from using phrases like, you're amazing, you're wonderful. I think those are lovely to hear and there is definitely a place for them. So I'm not saying don't say them. Um, But if we're building up walls with bricks of encouragement in other people's houses, then we want there to be some substance to what they're saying. And so what I'm really saying is we need to try and be a bit more specific. So, for instance, you could say to whoever led worship this morning, worship was amazing or you were brilliant at leading worship. Or you could say something like uh, worship this morning was um, was great. Uh, There was this specific moment when this thing happened and I really helped you felt that you helped lead me to that place. Um, Or you could say you really helped me feel closer to God this morning and help me see myself as I really am. You know, you're just giving like a bit more detail behind why that person is amazing or what they did was amazing. I think that um, giving feedback is a really great way of encouraging somebody. Um, Giving detailed, intentional, specific feedback when people serve us or when we observe what people are doing. We want to let other people know how well they're doing, don't we? Um, I would love to see us grow in strengthening one another by calling out the gold in each other, calling out the stuff that we see in people that they don't see in themselves. It's one of my favourite things to do, and it is a prophetic thing to do. You know, you're looking into people and you're reaching in and you're going, look at this great thing about you. Look at it. Keep looking at it until you recognise that this is a brilliant part of who you are. And the Bible's really clear that we all may prophesy, so we all have the ability to see into people and call the gold out of them, pull it out of them and show it to their faces and show it to the world around. So other examples might be you could um, you could encourage a preacher by saying, you're such a gifted communicator. Um, you have so much clarity that when you speak, it's like my head is in heaven. Or you could say to your leaders, your authority makes me feel really safe. You're such a father or a mother to this church. Um, or to one of the kids, you could say, um, when you run around and play, um, I see such a purity and innocence in you. It just reminds me of the holiness of Jesus. Um, or you might say to a friend, uh, you're um, such an incredibly powerful person. Um, your strength makes me strong and gives me permission to be myself. Just see how these are just slightly different. These, you know, it's a bit more detailed feedback. Um, it's more than just looking at performance. It's looking into what that person is doing and the atmosphere that they're creating around them. It's looking into gifts and abilities that God has given people. 
Um, it's building them up in a really specific way. It's kind of bricks upon bricks. And so I'm going to set you some homework. That's scary, isn't it? Because I'm um, I'm uh, anchoring in a few weeks' time, and I'm going to ask for some testimonies um, of um, off the back of this homework. So pay attention, children. Um, what I would really like to do is encourage you to find some people in this church over the next fortnight to give really specific intentional encouragement to. And I want to hear from the person who gave encouragement how that felt to give quite detailed encouragement. And I'd also really love to hear from people who received encouragement. Um, I'd love to know what impact that's had on you. So can I ask you to do that and then share your stories with me and then perhaps we can just get some people sharing in a couple of weeks time. Is that okay? Great. So where are we at for time? Okay. All right. Drawing to a close then. So in summary, in order to be the loving family that we have had a promise that we will be, that extends the kingdom of heaven across earth, we need to be able to sustain the love and power that God is giving us that require, and that requires us to be a unified body. In order to be unified, our loving relationships require work, especially in how we communicate with one another. When we have an issue, it is our responsibility to work out what is our problem and then take the rest to the other person and resolve it with them. We're not trying to control them. We're not trying to make them live to our expectations. We're just reaching out and looking for an understanding of one another. We do that by keeping our love on, by keeping our hearts soft, by seeing that person as God sees them and be, by being aware of how God sees us. We express ourselves clearly without accusation. We love without judgment of one another. We ask questions to gain understanding and we set boundaries. We speak face to face and not via technology. We strengthen each other with encouragement. We call out the gold. We rid ourselves of jealousy and we champion those around us all the while trusting God for our own moments. We remain in love for one another at all times. And we fight for our relationships with one another. Thank you. Thank you for listening. God bless you.